Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold two spots. I want you to hold one in Ecclesiastes 4 and Acts chapter 6. If you're joining us for the first time, we are in part three of a series called Overtaken. And what we're talking about is when a force or a feeling overtakes us to the point where it's controlling our thinking. And because it's controlling our thinking, it's controlling our actions. Now, every man watching this has experienced being overtaken. Maybe you were overtaken by fear, and that started dominating your thoughts and your actions. Or maybe you were overtaken by excitement, all right? And that started dominating your thoughts and actions. A lot of us know what it's like to be overtaken by love, right? The pixie dust falls. It dominates. It overtakes us, right? And we start doing things and saying things and being in places we were never before, like Buddy the Elf, right? I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows, right? Some of us have been overtaken by the opposite emotion. Some of us have been overtaken by anger, dominated by rage and anger. And some of us, even right now, we might be feeling dominated and by sadness, where that's a force, that's a feeling. And it's to the point where it has overtaken us and people who know us would say, whether it's fear, excitement, anger, love, sadness, what's going on? What, what's gotten into you, right? Now, I share that because that's exactly the dynamic of what was happening with the first spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. Jesus had predicted that they would be overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit and that it was going to rock and shock their, their world, literally in their context and then the world uh, globally. And now, as then, God wants to do the same thing through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, that's called being overtaken, right? Dominated by a controlling influence that is supernatural. And that's what God wants to do right now. Where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play, he knows exactly what he wants to do. So in part three of Overtaken, we're looking at the second specific way that the Holy Spirit overtakes us and moves through us as spirit-empowered followers of Christ. To do what? To advance God's purposes. Now, to get you thinking about this second way the Holy Spirit wants to move in us and through us to advance God's kingdom and God's purposes, I want you to think about maybe a time in your life when you felt alone. In your circumstance. Now, there's a lot of different ways that life and circumstances can make a man feel alone. Physical pain, okay? When, when something's broken or you're suffering uh, in your body and you can't fix it or it stops your life. You feel like everybody else's life is moving on and because of what's happening physically, my life isn't, and it makes you feel alone. Perhaps it's emotional pain that you're suffering. Like there's a loss that you have suffered that's unique to you that other people haven't experienced that loss or are not experiencing that loss, and that's isolating. You feel like I'm the only one who feels this way. Could be relational pain. 
Maybe there's a fracture or a breaking or a shifting in a relationship. It's happening to you, but it's not happening to your friends and the people that you know and see. So that becomes very isolating and makes you feel alone. Maybe it's spiritual pain. Maybe it's the consequence of a choice you made, a sin that really has created distance between you and God and you're in it and that makes you feel isolated and alone and you're not talking about it. And so whatever the cause, the common denominator in all of those types of pain, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, is that, that it isolates us. All right, it's happening to us, but it's not happening to other people. Therefore, we feel alone in it, somewhat confused by it, maybe controlled by it, maybe forced to accept it. Some people in their isolation and pain, they internalize it. And then they, their self-perception and their identity takes it on. And they feel like, well, that's just who I am. All of that is so isolating. And here is the big factor that is around people who are alone in pain and isolated. The devil loves it. That's when he strikes. That's when the voices come. That's when the lies come. That's when the suggestions on how to deal with your pain and isolations come, right? Doesn't feel good. So the suggestion is, hey, get a new feeling or Maybe you're, you're in pain because someone did something to you. Man, it's, it's, it's get even, man. And these, these lies and suggestions come. And, and that's where, you know, there's a battle between God's spirit and, and Satan, where there's, there's conflict. And the devil knows when to strike. It's when, not when we're uh, riding the wave of success, although he can do that. It's, it's when maybe we're low and isolated. But in war, isolation is always a good thing, right? Because if you can isolate your enemy, you can eliminate your enemy. There's no support. You kind of smelling what I'm stepping in, right? God wants that pain in people's lives. And nine out of 10 people that you know, they have right now, right now, just make the assumption, a problem or private pain they're really dealing with. Why? Because it's life on earth. And God wants that pain relieved and he has a plan to do it, all right? Satan, on the other hand, wants the pain ramped up and he wants the isolation ramped up. So are you guys seeing the spiritual battle here in the lives of people, in the spaces and places that you find yourself, right? There's a spiritual battle going on. There's people that are going through it. They're in your context, your unique context, and God has a plan to relieve their pain. And, and, and keep them from the strategies and schemes of the devil, and it's you. So we want the Holy Spirit to overtake us, and we want him to help use us to relieve the pain in others' lives. So here's where we're going in today's study. We're gonna see God's mind on how personal and private pain affect us. Then we're gonna look at God's solution, all right? Then what we wanna look at is we wanna look at God's men in action. You know, spirit-empowered men relieving pain, right? And then we're going to look at application. How, how, what are some specific ways that we can bring relief and security and support 
to people in pain who are in the spaces and places that we find ourselves, all right? So let's first read a couple passages of scripture. We're gonna look at a couple of dudes who are experiencing some serious pain. And the first, first guy is David. In Psalm 42, verses nine and 10, listen, listen to the battle that David is in. He says this, sometimes I ask God, my rock solid God, why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears, harassed by my enemies? They're out for the kill. These tormentors with their obscenities, taunting day after day, where is this God of yours, all right? So you see David really battling loneliness in this circumstance of pressure and harassment and, and the people that are pressuring and harassing him are like, you're all alone, all right? So that's, that's example number one. Example number two is Jesus himself. Listen to this dark day, right? It says in Matthew 27, from noon to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Wow. So you have two men feeling very isolated, very abandoned, and it's, it's creating this, this circumstance. And so I wanna make just three simple observations because when you're living on earth, this is what's happening. And the first observation from just these couple passages of scripture, number one, pain isolates the person in it. Please get this. Jesus said there's gonna be a lot of pain going around on a broken planet. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Equal sign, pain, all right? So pain isolates people that are in it. Secondly, pain is redeemed by God's purpose, okay? Our circumstance, your circumstance, the circumstances that are causing pain in the lives of others around you, all right? Those, those circumstances do not limit God. God isn't, isn't being wagged by those circumstances the way they are. They feel certain things, but that does not dictate God's power, God's presence, or God's purpose, or his plan coming through in that situation. It's just how they feel, right? It's like David and Jesus, that's how they felt. But was God working out his plan for David? Yes. Was God working out our salvation while Jesus felt that way? Yes. And so pain is redeemed and can be redeemed by God's purpose, all right? So we gotta remember that. Third, Pain and isolation are relieved by presence, okay? If isolation and pain feels like abandonment, right? Presence in pain feels like relief and assurance, right? Somebody get under the rock with me. Somebody get in there with me, all right? Don't leave me alone in this. I feel alone in this, okay? Talks about how presence uh, provides relief in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12 says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So Ecclesiastes 4 just highlights the principle that if you're by yourself in a pressure situation or you fall down, um, that's trouble, okay? But if someone comes alongside you and they're with you in it, all right, always better uh, to get help, right? So as we think about the Holy Spirit in us and how he wants to use us, it makes sense that he would want us to be a part of the lives of other people here on earth. And the reality is, is that, is that nine out of 10 of your friends or who you know or who you bump into, they got, they got some private pain going on, right? And they can be in it by themselves, which is exactly what Satan wants, or, right, they can experience some relief. So I want us to write down kind of a simple fact that's uh, about life and about um, where people are at, and it's this. In pain and isolation, people are either afraid and alone, or they're secure and supported. Think about that. Right now, you and your pain, you're either afraid and alone, and you're kind of carrying it yourself, or you're secure and supported, right? And the result emotionally of feeling secure and supported versus afraid and alone is relief, right? Look at the definition of relief on your notes. It's a feeling of happiness that occurs when something unpleasant or distressing stops. It's a removal or lessening of something painful or troubling something that interrupts in a welcomed way, right? Have you ever said when you're in private pain and somebody comes alongside, have you ever said, man, am I glad to see you, right? You know what that statement reflects? Your relief, right? This is a welcomed interruption, right? You're happy, right? Because something unpleasant or distressing is gonna stop because somebody's coming alongside of you. Think about that, right? Thank God you're here. And what we're gonna see as we move down through our study is that spirit-empowered relief is one Christ-following man away, right? Now, Jesus told his followers, he predicted, you're gonna get overtaken by the Holy Spirit, and then that happened. We we covered that in part one, right? He, he predicted it, it happened, and then this force called the Holy Spirit took over and dominated the thinking and living of the followers of Jesus. And then what they did is they started to go into the spaces and places of their right now life, and people were like, what's gotten into these guys? This is the way they were before, but now they're acting different and what we see in today's study, following that, that overtaking by the Holy Spirit, is we see spirit-empowered men bringing relief. They're being mobilized to bring relief. And we read about that in Acts chapter 6. So let's just get, let's just set the scene 
and let's see God's men in action, right? The Bible says, during this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, Hellenists, toward the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the 12 called a meeting of the disciples and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So, friends, choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we'll assign them to this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned tasks of prayer and speaking God's word. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Then they presented them to the apostles, praying the apostles laid hands and commissioned them for the task. The word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. Not least, a great many priests submitted themselves to the faith. All right, so let's just unpack the headlines. What do you see, all right? You see a growing community of believers, and then you see a group of people needing relief, right? You had Greek-speaking believers, and you had Hebrew-speaking believers. You had Gentiles and Jews, but there's this new community called the church, right? And there's a subgroup that's not getting their needs met, all right? And those are the Hebrew-speaking widows, okay? There's, there's food that's being distributed, there's discrimination happening, even within the believing community. And so the apostles are like, all right, what's the solution? Let's appoint seven spirit-empowered men. They're gonna go bring relief. They're gonna go secure these widows who are in need, right? What's the result of that, all right? They come together, they pick spirit-empowered men, they assign this task of relief to them, all right? Go provide relief, okay? There's people in need, go provide relief. Problem solved, but now there's a consequence to that that maybe they didn't expect. God's word, when those guys come and provide that relief, it starts to prosper even more, right? The number of disciples in Jerusalem increases dramatically, right? As men full of the Holy Spirit are going out and they're providing relief in simple, practical ways in the spaces and places right in their context. Even the tough nuts to crack of the time, the priests, right? The ones who conspired to put Jesus on the cross, even they are getting converted in this context, this outpouring, this overtaking of men filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're witnessing the transformation of men who used to be one way, now they're acting this way and they're doing the works of God. It's a witness of the kingdom of God. So you got a group who feels abandoned and alone. They're in pain, right? They're a group in need. What's God gonna do? Well, the Holy Spirit says, provide my relief, right? The Holy Spirit says, provide my relief through making others feel secure. Write that down. Okay, write that down on your fill-in. 
The Holy Spirit says, provide my relief through making others feel secure, right? You've got those, the fear and insecurity in those Hebrew widows. They're like, oh my gosh, we're missing out. You know, they got total FOMO, right? There's food going out to them, but none are coming to us. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Holy Spirit says, all right, I'm gonna pick spirit-empowered men. They're gonna provide my relief through making those people who feel insecure, secure. They feel afraid, now they're gonna feel supported, right? From alone and afraid to secure and supported. I put the definition of secure on the notes because there's a connection between relief and making people feel secure. Look at what the definition of secure is. Free from danger or risk of loss, right? Safe or easy in mind assured and having no doubt. So those Hebrew widows who received the help of spirit-empowered men bringing relief, right? How did they feel? They're like, oh man, we're, we're out of danger, right? We're, we're not at risk anymore. We, we're safe. <sighs> Minds are at ease. Isn't that a great feeling? I mean, I can't imagine just being in that environment and then just seeing the look on those people's faces. Hey friends, everybody around you, there's something there that you can come alongside with. It's always good to say, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? You know, and uh, wait for the answer and to maybe ask a second or a third question and to help someone feel relief through you being in their life and making them feel secure, just lifting whatever danger they feel in, lifting that burden or risk of loss, right? So here's our, our the rest of our time. We're gonna, we're gonna look at how a spirit-empowered man makes people feel secure, where they're relieved of a burden, just like we saw those men do um, in, in Acts 6, all right? So let's walk through four ways that spirit-empowered men make others feel secure. And the first way we do it is we make others feel secure through inclusion, write that down, right? Through inclusion, all right? Let's read Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. It says this, and you also, man of God, were included in Christ, might wanna circle that, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory, right? So when others feel abandoned or left out, all right, that doesn't feel good, right? So what do we do? How do we provide relief for them? Um, we include them. And all we're doing is we're reproducing the same experience that we've had with God. You notice the language here uh, as, you know, the Apostle Paul is trying to coach up these believers in Ephesus. He says, hey, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. And when you believed, your passport was stamped. The Holy Spirit came into your life, right? and now you're God's own possession. So we went from 
a supernatural condition of exclusion. And then through Christ, God included us and we went from exclusion to inclusion to God's own possession. Wow. Relief, aren't you relieved that you're included? Aren't you relieved that you're included in God's family? Relieved that you're included in a future in heaven? Aren't you relieved that you're included in the community of the forgiven by the blood of Christ? Wow. And that experience that we have, right? I remember when I was not a Christian and I feared death. And I thought, I don't know where I'm gonna go. I'm not assured of anything. And uh, there were many nights I would just like go, man, I wonder if I died right now, where would I go, where would I go? And, uh, and then I heard the gospel and I believed in Christ. And then I, that eliminated the, the fear and pain of thinking I would spend eternity away from God. So in a practical level, when the Holy Spirit is inside of a man, just like God did with us, Go into the spaces and places where you are and don't exclude others, include others. Why would I do that? Well, because you were once excluded. But then by the grace of God, you were included. You know, it feels good to be included, you know? And I'll tell you what, the devil has his PhD in exclusion. He is the master of exclusion and he likes people to feel excluded and because then he can lie. He can lie into their self-perception. He can lie into their mind and suggests actions to take um, when people feel excluded and they're mad or sad about that. And he likes for people to build their self-perception around their exclusion. Why? Because he can mess with them. He can attack their soul as long as they feel excluded. So do you see the spiritual battle? Okay, so that's the first way a spirit-empowered man can make others feel secure and relieve pain, through inclusion. The second way we can make others feel secure is through protection. Okay, this makes simple sense, all right? If someone is afraid and alone, all right, protection makes them feel secure and supported. All right, we see Jesus do this very famous passage, John chapter eight. Uh, let's let's look at this. Let's look at this scene. All right, roll the film. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, "Quote, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses, uh, it commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say?" And then they were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And that very famous, tense, awkward scene. There's a woman being blamed for adultery versus the man 
all right? So we got this broken male culture thing going on. They don't bring, they don't drag the dude out there. They drag a woman out there, right? They should have dragged the dude and the woman, but that was the broken male culture of the time, right? And it was a setup um, to boot. Not only was this woman set up, but they were using her to try to trap Jesus. So not only is she in a lot of pain because she's been caught in the act and she's by herself in a group of people, in a crowd of people being publicly humiliated, but she's also a pawn in someone else's plan. And man, they're pressing Jesus and Jesus is not, it's not wag the dog. And he's doing this behavior, which we'll have to find out when we meet Jesus. You know, he's riding um, in the ground and we don't know what he's writing, right? But there's a point where they're just kind of hammering him and then he, he, he stands up and then just lowers the hammer with, all right, let the person who is without sin be the one to chuck the first stone. And in doing that, he basically stands between the crowd, the agenda, the stones, and that, that, that poor woman is behind him. What's he doing? He's defending and protecting that woman. It is such an awesome scene. I wish, and not I wish, I pray that this movement of spirit-empowered men filled and overtaken by the Holy Spirit would do the exact same thing because that's the model of Jesus. He defended and protected women. And in that moment, that woman went from feeling alone and afraid to feeling secure and supported, right? And as the passage goes along, it's not on your notes, but you know, they, go, they all go away. Here, thud, 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 thud. Everybody holding the rock has to drop it because Jesus lowered the hammer in front of Jesus and at the foot of the cross, man, everybody's in the same boat. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he lets them know, like they're trying to make her feel less than them. She's them and they're, you know, they're her. Protection relieves an assassination, right? Harm. So inclusion relieves isolation. Protection relieves that kind of assassination of a person's character and maybe even their physical body, that attack. Um, in the Bible, in Psalm 82, verse 3, it says this, defend the weak, all right, and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, all right? That's Psalm 82, verse 3. So, spirit-empowered men, make others feel secure and bring relief through inclusion. We make people feel secure through protection, right? Protection relieves, you know, that, that harm and that assassination in this context. And then third, spirit-empowered men make others feel secure and bring relief through provision, okay? Through provision, this is really simple, right? Inclusion, protection, provision. 
Um, in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, it says this, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. My dear children, let's just not talk about love. Let's practice real love. What is John getting at when it comes to our relationships with others and when there are needs present? Here's what he's saying. Translation, sympathy is not a substitute for action, all right? Where it's like, oh, I'm sorry that that's happening to you versus here's my jacket or here's what you need, right? People feel alone and afraid when, they, when there's scarcity and they don't feel like their need is gonna get met. There's no provision for them. But people feel relief and secure and supported when someone loves them enough to take from what is theirs and to give it up for someone else through provision, all right? And it's not always financial or material. It could be emotional. Someone's poor in spirit. Someone's sad. Someone's lonely, all right? But a spirit-empowered man is, is present in relationships to include people, to protect people, but also to provide what's missing. That's why one of the greatest ministry strategies that you can ever deploy is this. Are you ready? All right, make sure you write this down. You need anything? That's all you have to say. I'm always saying that. Just because it's a Holy Spirit question that gets me in to provide relief, which is what he wants. The Holy Spirit's wanting me to provide relief, make others feel secure, at ease, not at risk, free from danger. How do I do that? You just ask people. Say, how's it going? Man, you need anything? Is there anything going on? Like, you need anything? Can I help you with anything? And they may go, oh, I'm good. Or maybe they're waiting for someone to ask. It's like, you know what? Now that you ask, and you're waiting around to see either if you can provide the relief yourself or connect them to some, I can't tell you how many times asking that question, hey, what do you need? Are you okay? Is there anything going on? You need anything? Need help with anything? People have, have verbalized something that's going on. I wasn't the immediate answer, but I knew someone who could be. And um, made a phone call, sent a text, and then just, Man, the kingdom just started going forward, but it all went back to that moment where you just gotta ask the question. Like, do you need anything? Is it, are you okay? And kind of hanging, hanging out for the answer and, and uh, giving them a chance to share their need. So providing security means providing relief. How do we make people feel secure? Through inclusion, through protection, through provision, all right? The last way is we make others feel secure through providing direction, okay? I wanna come back to the story of the woman caught in adultery. We sort of left it off of Jesus doing the protecting, but now 
we see Jesus doing some cool directing, right? And giving this woman not just the protection that she needed, but also the direction like, okay, this is where you go. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 8, verses 7 through 11. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at the time, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there, straightening up, and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Woo! So, we see Jesus make the woman set up to be caught in adultery um, feel secure through his protection, right? But then, after he protects her, he loves her too much to leave her the way she is, and so he provides that direction for her. And what, is, what does direction relieve? Um, lostness and confusion. It's like when you're lost and confused, what do you need? You need direction, right? And so he creates enough space through protection then to give that, to give that direction to her, right? It's just him and her, nobody's around. And what does he give her in terms of direction? He gives her, first of all, he gives her grace he says, has no one condemned you? So they're alone, people are gone. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, right? Then neither do I condemn you. So then he gives her grace so that she can relax and go, okay, I, I feel safe right here. But he loves her too much to leave her where she is. That's great that you feel safe and relieved, but here's some, here's some more relief, right? Now I'm going to give you some truth, and that's when he says, Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. You see how the protection created space for some giving of some direction? Like he gave up of himself to protect her literally from physical death, he protected her from social humiliation. And then when they're alone, it's like, all right, I protected you and there's nobody here to condemn you, right? Right. I don't condemn you either. I'm not going to judge you. All right. So now we're, the ground is level. And then he's like, so go now and leave that life. What an awesome, beautiful picture of grace followed by truth and a direction. And that's what we all need, right? To heal, we need grace and to, to feel like we're accepted and we're affirmed. But when you love somebody enough, you'll normalize them and you'll just go, hey, I'm in the same boat as you, I don't condemn you. However, I love you too much to let this stay the same, the situation stayed the same. So why don't you go now and let's, let's, let's leave the sin part out of it. Let's go and leave that life of sin. This, that life of sin is destructive. 
and the protection makes way for the direction. So we see how life on earth, people in pain. We saw it in David, we saw it in Jesus. Pain isolates, all right? And then into the pain and isolation, da -da 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 -da, here comes spirit-empowered men, right? We don't have to look around really far to see that. It doesn't have to be a dramatic scene. We know that circumstances that we experience in life isolate us. Emotional, relational, circumstantial, physical, spiritual. There's, a, there's enough pains out there in the water stream. And here we are. Well, what do we do? Well, we, we provide relief. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. How do we do it? Through inclusion. Inclusion relieves isolation. Through protection. Protection relieves harm and assassination. We do it through provision. Provision relieves deprivation. Okay? And we do it through providing direction. Providing direction relieves confusion. So the Holy Spirit has a definite plan to use you in the spaces and places that you're in to relieve pain in those ways. Now, here's what we want to do to close out today's live stream, is we want to apply what we've just learned from God's Word, right? And the way we're going to do that is we're going to do it praying together directly to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to put a prayer on screen, and I want you to pray that prayer with me right now. Pray, Holy Spirit, I accept your mission to the vulnerable ones in my world. Today, make me a champion to someone who is feeling forgotten by people or even by you today. Bring somebody to my mind right now or across my path that I can come alongside to be your strong hands and feet. Forgive me for just being sympathetic toward the vulnerable and thinking that is adequate. Help me to lay down my life, sacrifice myself, and give of myself in order to restore someone's dignity and worth in your name. That's what you did with me. Help me remember that as I live. Give me the courage and freedom, Holy Spirit, to cross all cultural lines that prevent your love from flowing to those in need. Free me to live for an audience of one. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me to feel secure in God's love, sensing his inclusion of me, his protection of me, his provision for me, and his direction to me out of his love. I am ready to let those same actions flow out of me toward others. Thank you for making me feel secure. Now help me be like you in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right now, I just believe that, that God is filling men. God is controlling men. God is, is, is leading men now into spaces and places coming right out of this study and your radar is on, all right? I want to encourage you to just, when you interact with anybody in your life today, where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play,
just ask this question. How you doing? How's it going? What's up? And do you need anything? You know, and then wait for the answer. Maybe ask a second or third question, okay? Because the Holy Spirit's going to use you of that, I'm confident. All right, that's today's study, and we'll see you next week. Make sure and tell a friend to join us. God bless.